Thank you for listening to the Firelife Church Podcast. For more information on Firelife Church in Irving, Texas, please visit wearefirelife.org. We pray the Lord blesses you greatly through this message. Good morning, good morning. You guys good? Yeah? So, you got, there we go. Open your Bible set to there. We can just jump straight into it. I'm glad y'all are doing well, those couple that said, yeah. You got the joy of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Man, I like that exchange. The joy of the Lord. Well, it's good to see all of you. Uh, we're going to jump straight into it. The Lord's been dealing with us concerning the portion. And uh, kind of the thread of this was the story of Korah and his rebellion against Moses and against truly against the priesthood, against the ordination of God's priesthood. And they came against Moses, the 250 signed on to the rebellion. And you know how the story ended for Korah. The earth opened up and swallowed them up because they spoke against the, the order of God, the, the way God had established things. And, you know, fast forward seven generations later, and then Samuel is born in the lineage of Korah. And then fast forward when Obed-Edom has the ark at his house and he is in the lineage of Korah. He was a Korah, a Kohathite was what he was. And Kohath was one of the sons of Korah, right? You guys remember all this? This is really, it was cool thread through the Bible. And so the ark goes and rests at Obed-Edom's house and he knows how to properly handle it. And he's obeying the portion the Lord gave to Korah, which was to handle the heavy, uh, the, the heavy parts of the, of the worship for God. And so uh, David goes and obeys the Lord, offers the sacrifices, brings the ark into the city and dances and celebrates crazy because the presence of God is back with Israel. Amen. And then David institutes worship in the temple before God. All right. And we call it Davidic worship. Have you ever heard that term before, the Davidic worship? Um, it's very similar to what we try to, um, to copy uh, these days in our churches. Some people say, why don't we sing in church? Why don't we do the things we do? Well, David kind of established this. When we come before the Lord, we bring our songs to him and their worship unto him because we're ministering unto God. You know, when you come to church, you don't come to be ministered unto you come to church because you are a minister, a priest. A kingdom, we are a kingdom of kings and priests. And your first order of business is, I am a minister unto God. Everyone say, I'm a minister to God. How, how awesome is this? You're, part of your inheritance and your portion is you get to minister unto God. Did you know when you open your heart to him and worship him in spirit and in truth, you are ministering to the heart of God? The word minister means to care for to provide for, to serve, to bring hospitality. Come on, when you open your heart and worship in spirit and in truth, you are ministering, you are being hospitable to the presence of God. And where the presence of the Lord is, there's freedom. And so, so when we worship him, when we bring our offerings unto him and we do our ministry unto him, he shows up in our presence. The Lord is in our midst, right? And when he's here, anything can happen. And so we are worshipers and we are carriers of ministers unto God everywhere we go. And so you know the rest of the story. 11 of the Psalms were written by relatives of Korah. 
It says it right at the top. Psalm 84 is one of my favorite ones. I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of the Lord than be anywhere else. What was Korah's issue? I don't want to do this job you gave me, God. I should be able to minister the way uh, Aaron is ministering. I should have a different portion than what you gave me. That was Korah's real problem. I don't like the portion you gave me. I don't want to be a gatekeeper. Hmm. But his great, 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 great grandsons figured it out oh, every time. I'd rather be a gatekeeper. I'd rather have the portion you give me than anyone else's portion. Amen? Because the Lord sets order. We have a lot of rebellious streaks in us. Amen? Not, not just one. I don't just have one rebellious streak. We have a lot of them because we want to be God. We want to be the ruler we want to tell God what portion we deserve and what portion other people should have and how people should, should manage their portion. And, and, and we want to be the ruler. But God is the ruler. Everyone say, God is the ruler. And it's, it's just kind of written into our sinful DNA. Until we become converted and become new creations, that DNA is at war with God. It's the lowercase r ruler fighting against the capital R ruler. And there's this tension between the heart of man and the heart of God. And it's not over whether he heals me or not. It's not over whether I'm blessed or not. It's not over uh, all these other things that we get mad and frustrated with life about. It's all about, am I going to surrender to his rulership? That is the problem with humanity. I love how Shagun opened with this similar thought, like we're, he's the ruler, he's, he's the boss, right? Come on. And this is the issue with humanity right now is we think we can make the rules because we are in some ways a ruler because we were created in the image of God. We do have power. We have free will like Shagun opened. We have the ability to make decisions that cause consequences. But we're not the ruler. He is. And the Lord's really just been digging in this lordship thing for, I don't know, a year and a half now, probably in this house. It's, it, it, we, we focus on it for a few months and then we'll go back and we remind, oh, the Lord, you're the Lord. I remember, yes, sir, right? Yes, sir, you are Lord. I am not Lord. I don't know. I don't know anything. You know everything, right? Come on. And um, the Lord's still dealing with this in our house, in this house. I don't wanna talk about the world. I don't want to talk about other churches. Come on, that's ridiculous. They're doing the best they know how. Bless them in Jesus' name. I don't want to talk about other religions. I want to talk to our house. You've chosen to come here, and there is a specific word that's for this house when you choose to come to the house. I want to speak to your heart. And so when the Lord tells me, Jared, keep hitting on lordship, on portion, on ruler, then I know it's not, it's not for them. And, and for me, it's not for you. It's for me. I want the issue of lordship once and for all settled in my life in every area. It's like if, if someone came to me and said, hey, Jared, is Jesus Lord of your life? Give me proof. I would quickly go to the things I'm really good at letting him be Lord in and be like, yeah, well, I, I don't worry about this and I don't worry about that. And I trust him in this and I trust him in that. But the longer I talk, I'm gonna run out of stuff. And then there are those hidden things where he might not be the ruler. And guess what he wants? He wants that thing that I hide. He wants that more than he wants all the stuff I show everyone else. 
You guys, it starts out in Exodus 20, verse two and three, uh, one, two and three there. He's, God is establishing order. And he's going, guys, listen to me. I'm, I'm not making these rules because I'm a tyrant. I'm making these rules because if you will follow them, you will prosper. Like you can do your own thing. Like what's, what's the, the Bible say? There's a way that seems right unto man. Oh, you can do what you want. You can. However, what happens when we go the way that seems right unto man? It leads to destruction. Like my way is destructive. You realize that. When I think I have to have everything around me within my control, I am under an illusion that my way will not be destructive. But my way is always destructive. When I get my way, it's not, and if it's not the Lord's way, when it's my way, it will always lead to destruction. And because I am powerful, because I was made in the image of God and we all are powerful and made in the image of God, when I choose my way, the destruction not all, doesn't always just affect me. And so God is telling them, he's writing this law, he's giving his law and he's saying, listen, this is the law that if you'll live by, you'll prosper. But if you choose not to live by this law, then you will have destruction. And he says, I am the Lord. Everyone say, Lord. Exodus 20, verse two, I am the Lord, your God. Everyone say, my God. Oh yeah, you're my God. And then he reminds them, who brought you out of Egypt? I did. You didn't lead you out of Egypt. I led you out of Egypt because I am the Lord, your God. Who led you out of the house of bondage? He's kind of asking it. He's saying it, but this is the context. Who, who led you out of bondage? What way of yours brought you out of captivity? This is why I always ask, like the self-help stuff, is, it's such a myth. Because I can't help myself. I'm just creating a bigger issue that's hidden under something that looks really pretty and shiny, religion, whatever, but I'm full of dead men's bones. So I, I can't lead myself out of bondage. The only way out of bondage is surrender to the Lordship of Jesus, period. If you're facing something right now that seems to be repetitive, I wouldn't say you need to try harder. I wouldn't say you need to go and find all the books you can that are about this specific thing that you're struggling with and read them until you feel set free and fully um, you know, intellectually empowered. I wouldn't say that. I would say surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. Amen, that's, that's the message. He says, I am the Lord your God. I led you out of Egypt. I led you out of bondage. And then he tells them the rule. You shall have no other gods before me. Can we all say that? You shall have no other gods before me. The word gods there means rulers, lords, judges. All right, we got a baseline. You ready? Let's go all the way back to the beginning. All right, God places Adam and Eve in the garden. He actually chose this specific garden for them. Think about it in this context. God didn't just create this beautiful garden and say, oh, I'm just gonna drop some people in it. He created the garden for Adam and Eve. Like he 
brought this gift of this garden, this fruitful, bountiful garden, was his gift to mankind. And he gave it to them. Come on. And he goes, guys, I I brought you this beautiful garden. It's got everything you could ever imagine here. It's flowing with fruitfulness. You will never want for anything in this garden. It's all yours. You can have all of it. I portioned it to you. It's your portion. You could do anything here. Except for one thing. Only one. You can't eat from that specific tree that's in the middle of the garden. Because the moment you eat from that tree, you will die. So God gives them this portion, this gift. He hands it to them, and then he gives them the lowercase authority to steward the garden and gives them one rule. Why did he give them one rule? I love this. Danny Sook does this uh, sermon. It's based on his book uh, called Unpunishable. And he talks about this in greater depth and he's funny and he's just amazing at this. So if you want to listen more on this, you can. Um, This is where I first heard him talk about it this way. Why did he give him one rule? Because he wanted to establish that he was the ruler of the garden. So he gave him one rule. Even though it was theirs, it was their portion. He's like, I have one rule because I don't want you to get the idea that just because you have free reign in this garden, that you're the ruler because I'm the ruler. I created this. Who, who built this garden for you? Who made these trees prosper and bring fruit? Who causes the water to flow through this valley? Who? I did this. You didn't. I know it's yours. I gave it to you, but I am the Lord. And I made one rule so that you don't forget that I'm your God. See, when men and women become tyrants, they don't just make one rule. So when people say God's a tyrant, it's a foolish thing to say about God because he made one rule in the garden, one. Yet when men become tyrants, when women become tyrants, they make rule after rule after rule. And it looks like this, that you're here and they wanna corral you and every rule is to make your world smaller and smaller and smaller. But when God makes one rule, it's to make your world larger, larger, and larger. And we fight against the rule. Why would we do this? He's good. He's benevolent. So God is not a tyrant. So anyone that ever feels God's a tyrant, if anyone ever tries to tell you God's a tyrant, remind them, no, his one rule to make him Lord, Jesus, how how are you saved? The New Testament tells us. Like we think there's all these rules and like there's really one. Confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and he will be the Lord of your life. After that, you get to walk into this garden where he's the Lord and then you get to obey him. Like it's one, one thing. Everyone gets caught up. Oh, he's a tyrant. No, he's not. God is not a tyrant. God is good. Come on. There's only, only God's rule can bring freedom. Amen? So the enemy sneaks into this garden this portion that was given to man and he tries to tempt them by lying to them. You guys know how many times we talk about this story, but don't ever lose the power of the story. This was the creation of our, of our human condition right here. We shouldn't get bored with this story. He lied to them and he said, did God really say? Like, hear it like this. You're telling me that God built this gorgeous place for you. 
For me, it's mountains and it's elk running through the mountains and there's salmon and rainbow trout in the rivers. Like my, my happy place, like it's just gorgeous. It's mountains and streams and trees swaying and the aspen leaves are changing. He made all of this for you. And then you look over on the tree and there's steak on the tree, right? Come on. And there's, there's like mashed potatoes and French fries and cheeseburgers and, and then some good stuff too, right? There's some vegetables over there on the side that they're, they're just the extra so that when you're not full with the steak, you fill up on the vegetables. Like this is the, go- he's like, he made all of this for you. Yeah. And he told you, you can have all of it. Yeah, it's all ours. And they started like, this is our place. He goes, but he, but he said, you can't eat that one tree. I think he's holding out on you. Like, it's insane. I think he's holding out on you because he knows the moment you eat from that one tree that he told you not to, you'll be just like him. What is he saying? You're not really the ruler because you can't eat from the one tree. What a lie. This is the deceiver. How many of us have ever done that? We fixate on one little thing and we forget that God has given us this huge highway to drive on. And they bought into it. Oh, that's true. I hadn't thought about it like that. You know why they hadn't thought about it like that? Because at this point in their existence, the only lens that they could see through was truth. Because they had a ruler named God. But the moment they started having competition in their heart for another God, the lens shifted. And now everything they see from this point forward is through the the lens of the serpent. And they start, I I can just see them. Man, I hadn't thought about it like that. Like, I felt really empowered. I felt like it was really good. But but then that that one stinking tree, he's got a point. Are we, I, am I really the ruler if I can't go to one place? Who's the ruler? Uh, and then all of a sudden now, maybe he is holding out. Maybe he's withholding from us. He's not good. And they decide they're gonna eat from the tree. And from that point forward, everything was the wrong version. It was perversion from then on because they traded rulers. This is the battle we face every single day right now. We shall have no other gods Is there competition in our heart for the ruler, God, the creator of the universe? Let's go to Matthew 18. Let's close this up. Matthew 18. You think after thousands of years, we'd figure it out. And here we are with the young rich ruler. Uh, Matthew 18, I, I'm also in Luke 18, sorry. I say Matthew, it's the same. It's exactly the same. So read Matthew or Luke, it doesn't matter. It's even the same scripture verses. It's, it's crazy. Uh, but I am because it says Matthew up there. I'm gonna read from Matthew, even though it's almost identical in count. So Matthew 18, sorry about that. I'm wrong. I'm going to Luke. I'm crazy. 
Don't listen to me right now. I have lost my mind. We're going to Luke 18. That is wrong. All right, I think. I'll watch this back and be like, what were you talking about, dude? All right, Luke 18, I'm sorry. Luke 18, verse 18. Now a certain ruler asked Jesus saying, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good, but one, and that is God. So you know the commandments, right? Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness. He's quoting the 10 commandments, honor your father and mother. And the young man said to him, yes, I know those rules and I've kept every one of those since I was young. So I'm a good person. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you're still lacking one thing though. See, lordship is about the one thing. He's like, you're lacking one thing. Why don't you sell everything you have, all your possessions, sell them all, give them to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven. And then come and follow me. And look at what it says there. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful for he was rich and he left Jesus. That's one of the very, maybe the only time that I know of in anyone's encounter with Jesus that they left sad. They left filled with sorrow. And why was he filled with sorrow? He had obeyed all the laws. Hello? He did all the religious stuff. He didn't commit adultery. He didn't steal. He didn't bear false witness. He honored his father and mother. He was keeping the commandments. It would look like lordship was settled in him. But, But God realized Jesus discerned that there was another issue at heart that had his heart. So pretty much what was happening was he was seeing the access that everyone had to Jesus. And because he was a man who was wealthy, he had access to anywhere he wanted to go. His money got him his way all the time. His money got him his way. In other words, his money was an insulation to where his heart never had to, had, had to shift at all because his money could buy his way into and out of things. And so Jesus is like, you need to sell everything because that's the thing that's got your heart because you're the Lord. And so when, 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 he's, when he left and he was sorrowful and all this stuff, the disciples, they were like, well, who can be saved? Like if a rich man can't be saved, who can? And he says, with men it is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Come on. And then Jesus said, uh, Peter's like, but see, Lord, we've left everything. This is so funny. <laughs> Peter's like, well, we left everything and we followed you like you told him. And, and Jesus is like, I, I assure you that no one who's left house and parents and mothers and brothers, wife, children for the sake of the kingdom, they will, they will all receive a reward. He's like, don't worry, Peter. This isn't about you right now. <laughs> I know it always is, but not right now. What's the point of the story? The Lord wants to be the chief. So when it says he's a rich young ruler, he was a chief. He was a leader. He was a ruler. And God wants the thing that sets us up as the ruler. God asked him for the one thing that lets him get his way all the time. Do we have things that help us get our way? 
Do we have rules that we set up and we call them boundaries? Let me let that sit for a second. We have rules that we call boundaries, but all they are is to make sure that my little world gets to stay the way that I want it. Because if so, the Lord might say, I want that thing. For some people, it's money. I need a certain amount of money in my account so that I feel safe. For some, it's health. Like, man, thank the Lord. I have nothing wrong in my body. Everything's healthy. I'm going to have a long, healthy life. I'm not worried about anything. For some, it's, it's relationships. For some, it's fill in the blank. I don't want to be uncomfortable. What's the Lord looking for? It's the one thing. He's calling us to repent from idolatry. It's the same story as the garden. It's just there's competition for him being ruler. So he wants us to remove anyone or anything that we have to check with first before we say yes to him, right? That's kind of what we call idolatry. Like anyone or anything I have to check with before I say yes to God is probably a problem. You guys still okay? It's about lordship. I want to close with this, okay? Stick with me for a second. How many, how many of you know what the term repentance means? Yeah, just shout it out. What, what is repentance? A change of mind. Yeah, contrition, change of mind. Like, I'm exchanging my thoughts, my, my ways for yours, Lord. Like, there's a standard. It's not just... It's not just saying I'm sorry. It's not just, oh, I feel really bad. It's not like, it's not about that stuff. It's about the change from my perspective to God's perspective or from my standard to God's standard, right? So that's repentance. Now, how many of us are under the illusion that any moment we want to, we can run to God and repent? Oh, How many think that I can just decide right now I'm going to repent from this thing and I can just do it? Good luck. I don't get to decide when I repent. I know this is crazy to talk about in church because we're all like, you need to turn to the Lord, repent, 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 right? Yes, absolutely. But it is possible for there not to be a pathway to repentance unless the Lord calls me. John 6, says it. John 6, No one can come to me, Jesus, unless the Father who has sent me draws him. Did you know that Jacob tricked Esau out of his portion? And the Bible says in Hebrews that Esau wept bitterly and repented for the stupid thing he did and he sought for a place of repentance and there was none found for him. Yeah. Whoa. Similar things can be said of Judas, that Judas felt horrible about betraying Jesus and that he looked for a place of repentance, a place to bear his soul and there was nowhere to run to. Because you and I don't get to just say, you know, I'll take care of this later. Yeah. I, I, will, I will deal with this in my time. No, I won't. I will do it when the Lord calls me or I may not have the other opportunity. You're like, oh, God would never do that. God's the ruler. Well, if I was God, I would never do that. That's why we're not God. 
Here's the good news about it. If you feel conviction, if I feel conviction, it's because daddy is drawing us to him. That's awesome. He's saying, I value you so much that I want you to feel the pain of what you're doing so that it brings you to the only place where there's a solution. I should feel really nervous when I stop feeling that. You guys okay? This is, this is about lordship. And if the Lord has been highlighting a specific thing, today is the day of salvation. Right now. Not tomorrow, not next week. Right now. If he calls you and draws you, take advantage of that moment. Oh God, you're right. I don't even know all that you're right about, but I know you're right. And I know that we can fix this now and then you can teach me how you're right about this so that I can refocus, recenter my life around your truth here. Because repentance requires fruit. Like it's not just a confession. It is a, yes, you're right, God. Now show me the right way to do this thing. Then I bring that to you as the fruit of my repentance. Amen? I know we, we, we went into a deep topic today because the Lord wants our heart. He wants our heart. He does not want to compete with anyone else. Amen? Oh, if we could just have the right president. It doesn't even matter. It really, vote, vote righteously, vote your conscience, but it really doesn't matter. God's the ruler. Like he causes people to rise and fall. But I'll, I always think, man, man, if we had godly leadership, I'd feel safer. I'd, yes, we should pray for godly leadership. But unless we turn our hearts to the Lord and repent... Great, we prosper for nothing, for things we can't take with us. And this is another place where we're like, well, like, we don't want to be ruled. All right, stand, because if you're sitting, I'm just going to keep talking. Jesus. I want to give you a real extreme picture of what lordship looks like. Job. Job. We don't like to talk about Job because we don't like the thought of suffering. And then we don't, we really don't like the thought that maybe God could do something about it. And what did Job say to his friends? Even if the Lord slays me, I'll serve him. The issue of lordship settled in my heart. 
which is the very reason why God trusted him in the first place. See, when lordship is settled, we gain the trust of the Lord because he knows we belong to him. That he's our shepherd and we're his sheep and he knows, oh, I can trust them. And it opens up favor and it opens up blessing and it opens up things. It doesn't mean we won't suffer and go through the things, some of the things like Job did. That's not, what, that's not the point. The point is, even if he does allow these things to happen, I will still serve him. Even if America keeps going down the terrible road it's going down, I'm still going to serve the Lord. Even if it becomes illegal to preach the gospel and say true things like there's only male and female in marriages between one man and one, even if that becomes illegal, I will still say the righteous thing and trust the Lord with whatever happens to me. And if you think, oh, we're not in those times. Yes, we are. We have some people here from Canada today. They were sharing some stuff this morning, right? Like they're putting people in jail for religious things that we're supposed to be able to do and say. You're like, well, that's, that's all great, but I just want to do what I want to do during the week. I, I want my schedule. I want my time. I want... I want the world to revolve around me and what makes me happy. So you get the big picture and the little picture, right? As long as my world isn't shaken up, I'm cool. No, he wants to be Lord. Why? Because he's got a whole garden for us. Hello. <laughs> he prepared a portion for us. And the only rule is that he's Lord and we get access to the garden. Come on. So Jesus, come on, let's, let's pray. <laughs> if Jesus is not the Lord of your life, ask him to be Lord now. Invite him. Just say, Jesus, will you be my Lord? Maybe you've never done this before or it's been a long time, but just ask him, Jesus, will you be my Lord? Oh, his answer is 100%. Yes, I would love to be your Lord. But then there's a question he asked back. Will you let me be your Lord? So can we tell him that? Yes, Lord, I will let you be my Lord. Yes, Lord. Yep, even in those things that help me get my way. We will have no other gods before him. Would you, would you pray that? God, I will have no other gods before you. There's no competition. So we're going to close like this, but today requires a response. And I'm going to just say it. You need to come to the front if this is an issue. Like you need to, to get up and come to the front 
and recommit yourself to the Lordship of Jesus. Like if, if you're like, oh yeah, I could be the rich young ruler. Oh man, I could be Adam and Eve thinking God's holding out on me. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm competing with his rulership in my life. If that was you at all, please come to the front.